Open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans 13, if you're not already there. Our text this morning will come from verse 11 and the following verses. It's good to see everyone this morning. Thank you all for being here. It's good to have visitors with us as well. Appreciate you being here. This is the first day of the week, and we come together to worship God. This morning I want to talk about... um, the idea of the light. I started this series back um, beginning of the year, got a little sidetracked because of the events of the day, but thought it'd be a good time to return to some lessons where we see the idea of, of light. It's used in various ways in scripture, but most generally and, and for the most part, light is used to uh, as, a, as a contrast against the dark, light that being good and, and righteous and what is right and godly and that being dark as, as that of evil and that that's of the devil. And so that's used throughout and we see it used in other ways as well. But walking the light is, is what the, the theme for, for, for this year and, and the idea is that it's a uh, a constant and active thing that we need to do. It's not just that we sit in the light, but rather that we walk in the light. Rather we're active and, and doing things that are righteous and doing things that um, let that light of God shine down upon us. And then also letting our light so shine before men, as we'll talk about at the close of our time this morning. But here in Romans 13, verse 11... We have a, another instance where the writer uses the idea of light, and, and Paul uses it this way. Beginning in verse 11, he says, And this do, knowing the time that is already the hour, to awaken from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. So this morning I wanted to talk about what Paul mentions there about the armor of light. And this is an interesting uh, way in which Paul puts it. The idea of, of course, of armor being that protection, something that we can put on that will um, give us the protection against the things of darkness. So let's spend a little time talking about this passage and looking at what Paul has to say. Let's start this way, looking at uh, the, the early verse here, verse 11, uh, and understanding that now is the time. It says... Uh, and this do knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. And so now is the time to, to put on that armor. And I want us to, to back up just a little bit and look what he's referring to there in the earlier chapter, uh, earlier verses of chapter 13. And we looked at this a few weeks ago when we talked about giving to Caesar that which is Caesar and to, to God that which is God's. In the early part of chapter 13, Paul talks about civil government and its uh, 
proper um, use and, and how we should yield to it in the proper way. That, that the, the government is set up there by God. It is his enforcement mechanism that he uses to punish those who do evil. And so we ought to, to give heed to that. Now, we qualified it, of course, when, when those laws of man's transgress the law of God, then we have to, of course, uh, abide by the laws of God. But the principle is there. And then in verse 8, he, he shifts it to how we deal with our, with our, our brothers and sisters, talking about owe nothing to, to anyone except to love one another and, and fulfilling that command of loving your neighbor. And then in that, verse 10, he says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And so that then leads into verse 11. And he says, And this do, knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. So it's time for us to put these things into practice. It's time for us to obey our government. It's time to give honor where honor is due and, to, and custom who custom and tax whom tax. And it's also time for us to love our brethren. It's time for us to put aside the strife and the jealousies and those things and to love our brethren. Now is the time. It's time for us to wake up. It says there, to knowing the time, awaken from sleep. So indeed the time is now. And, and some verses that help us to understand that in Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, it says, therefore having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is calling for all men everywhere to repent. A lot in that little statement. There's a lot in the context in which that is taken, that which that is taken, and that God has appointed Jesus Christ, and He is the one through whom He is going to render salvation to all nations. And so now is the time. It's time to wake up. It's time to realize that that for them, for the immediate audience, that the time was upon them, that they're not very far removed from Jesus Christ, the time that He walked the earth. But the message comes down to us too, doesn't it? Because we weren't born then, obviously. But the time for us is now. The time for us is to waken from the sleep and to, and to understand that we have things to do. And understand that God needs to be served while we have that time. And then he poignantly puts it this way. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. I thought about that a lot. What does that mean? Salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. There's a few different ways to look at it. I mean, you could look at it as in, um, especially if you're older in age, you're probably closer to the end of your life than you are from your baptism. You could look at it that way. You can also look at it in, in understanding that the idea of how God interacts with his people. From Isaiah 51, beginning in verse 4, it says, Pay attention to me, O my people, and give ear to me, O my nation. For a law will go forth from me, and I will set my justice for a light of the peoples. My righteousness is near. My salvation has gone forth. And my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait for me, and my arm will wait for me, uh, and my arm they will wait expectantly. You know, Isaiah was a prophet, obviously, and he's prophesying to. His, his audience and telling them that, that, that er, God through Isaiah is telling them that my righteousness is near. Deliverance is near. Even though calamity is about to befall you, there is deliverance from that. And he says, he says there, right there in verse 5, my righteousness is near. 
my salvation has gone forth. Now we always look at the, the many prophecies in Isaiah, not just to the immediate audience, but the far-reaching ones. This one not so much necessarily about, uh, about the coming Christ, but we can see the overtones in it and the idea that God is near. God is not far from us. And so when Paul says that salvation is nearer to us than when we believed, the idea that, that God is close to us, God has provided salvation for us, and the, the, the closer we draw to him, the closer that relationship can be. And so when we first believed we had a relationship with God, hopefully over time that relationship gets closer and closer, and that we're nearer to the God uh, that provided that salvation than we ever were today. And tomorrow will be even closer. It's one way to think about it. Paul contrasts the night and the day. Verse 12 there, he says, The night is almost gone and the day is at hand. What's he talking about when he talks about the night is nearly over and, and the day is at hand? Again, remember, night representing the things of evil, um, and day representing the things of good. And he says there, therefore let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Well, what are those deeds of darkness? Well, here he talks about, uh, in verse 13, carousing and drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, sensuality, uh, strife and jealousy. He talks about those kind of things as well. He, it reminded me of the list that he gives over in Galatians uh, chapter 5. When he talks about there, uh, the things that, are, that, that need to be put off as well. Look over with me in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 and verse 19. Here he calls them the deeds of the flesh. Not the deeds of the darkness, but the deeds of the flesh. But this is the same kind of thing. The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you in the past, or sorry, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the important part of the end, at the end of that. Those who practice things like these, these things and things like these, which I've told you about, I'm warning you and I have warned you, that those who are practicing these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we can add these things to that list that he gives there about the deeds of darkness. And he's saying that that time is over. Let's, let's turn from that. Awaken from that sleep. Let's get rid of those things. Why? Because the day is coming soon. We can look at that as the day of judgment. You can look at that as uh, tomorrow and the promises that are there. But the idea is that we put behind us those things, the, the things of the world, and we move on to the things of the light. And let us behave properly in the light. Look over in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. Again, the idea of darkness and light. In Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 7, it says, Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. See that contrast again? You were formerly of darkness, 
Now you're of the Lord. Now you're of the light. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. There's where we put our, our stock. There's where we put our, our, our energies. Behind us are the things of, of the dark. Ahead of us are the things of the light. Let's behave properly. And also this idea of making no room in our life for worldliness. It reminds me of, of what our Lord says over in Luke chapter 11. Such a, a, a pointed um, passage here that, that our Lord points out um, about the idea of making yourself clean and keeping yourself that way. In Luke 11, verse 24, he says, When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and, and not finding any. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. So you see the, the imagery here of the, the, the evil spirit leaving the body and, and, and going out and not finding a home as good as the one it had. So what does he decide to do? Verse 25 says, or verse 24, I will return to the, my ha- from the house in which I came. I'll just go back from where I came. I'll go back to that same person. Verse 25 says, and when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. You see, when we, we get rid of those things in our life, the, the evil things of darkness, and, and, we, and we prepare the house, we've got to be very careful about what comes back in. Because there's room now. There's room in our life. There's room for things to creep back in. If we're uh, gambling or carousing or drunkenness and all of a sudden we're not doing that anymore, we have time in our life. What are we going to fill that time with? The message here is you need to be careful. When it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes out and takes along seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. We need to be careful about what we fill our lives with. It's good to get rid of the bad things. Make sure they stay out and don't bring back in with them seven other bad things. Our Lord talks about it this way and sums it up really in this way. In John chapter 3, beginning in verse 19, he says, This is a judgment that the light has come into the world, And men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as as having been wrought in God. We ought not to be afraid of the light. It exposes. It exposes our weaknesses. It exposes our sin. But we ought not to be afraid of it. We ought to come to the light. Men love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because they can hide. You can hide your sins in the darkness. You can't hide your sins in the light. Having said that, Paul says there's some things that we can do. There's some things that we can put on. In Ephesians 6 and verse 11, Paul talks about uh, verse 11 and, and on, he talks about putting on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand uh, the schemes of the devil. Stand against the ste- schemes of the devil. 
put on the full armor of God. And he goes on to talk about the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the idea there is that that's the protection. That's the image that I had there at the beginning, the armor. Putting on those things that protect us from the elements outside in, in wartime, or the slings and the arrows. It's the idea of protection. But in this particular passage in, in Romans 13 here, Paul talks about the armor of light. So why does he put those two things together? Well, I guess you could say there's several reasons, but I want us to, to, to look in on a couple of things here. Look in, in John chapter 1. As, as John is writing about um, Jesus coming into the world, he, he uses this analogy about the light. In John chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. Remember how Jesus later on, and we looked at there in chapter 3, talks about how the men love the darkness because it hides their evil doing. Well, when the Lord came into the world, he shone a light into that darkness. And in verse 9, it says, There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. So when Paul talks about the armor of light, it is that protection that, that we can put on and then couple that with the idea of light. And we look and see that it is the light that enlightens every man. So that light that we can put on is the light that Jesus has brought into the world. And that is knowledge. That is his word. He has given us that. He has enlightened all of mankind through his own word. The word which he left behind. It is that light that we can still put on. But the ultimate expression of that is indeed the putting on of the Lord himself. Look back in our text here in Romans chapter 13. In Romans 13, at the end of this, he says, in verse 14, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. So in the things that we're putting on, expresses the full armor of God, or the armor of light, Paul reminds us to put on the Lord himself. And why? Because he is our ultimate protection. Look with me over in 1 Peter chapter 2. Our Lord is that ultimate protection. In 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 21, it says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving for you an example to follow in his steps. He is the one that has gone on before us. And he left that example to follow in his steps. Uh, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while he was being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds we were healed. And Jesus is the one that has, has gone on before. And, and through his suffering, we have the opportunity to be healed of our sin. In verse 25 it says, For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd 
and guardian of your souls. Jesus is that ultimate protection. He is that one who has gone on before us and has suffered the terrible death to sin so that we don't have to. And so as we're putting on the things that protect us from the schemes of the devil, the imagery there is good about the armor, but let's not lose sight of what Paul says there, to put on the Lord Jesus. Put him on. I want to leave you with this from Matthew 5. It's a familiar passage, but it, it strikes at what we're talking about here. You are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and after put it under a basket. But what? But on the lampstand, and it gives us light to all or who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. As we talk about the light and what it means, let's not lose sight of this, that we let our light shine into the world. Yes, God's light shines down upon us, and God's light came through Jesus and and illuminates all of mankind, but we have a responsibility to reflect that light, to let our light shine before men so that, that they can see our good works and the idea is that we don't, we don't keep that light hidden. We don't, we don't close it up under a basket. No, when you light a light, you put it up on a stand so that, so that the whole household can be lit by it. And that's the example that we need to be. We have so many blessings in, in Jesus Christ and, and the idea of protection that he provides for us. But let's not hide in that armor. Let's not let it Uh, conceal the light within. I think that speaks to why Paul says that also about the armor of light. It protects us, but we also have to let it shine forth. We couple that with what our Lord says here about letting your light shine before men. And we glorify God by the things that we do. I hope you've been encouraged by this lesson. Maybe a little shorter than some. That's okay. I want you to remember this idea of the light. Keep it in your mind. It is, it represents the goodness. It represents God and his glory and his righteousness. It's been manifested through Jesus Christ. And we need to let it shine forth from us as well. And giving God the glory all along the way.